Hello, welcome to Lazada Insider, featuring knowledge that makes a difference. We share trusted insights, forward-looking perspectives, and exclusive expert interviews to keep you ahead of the curve. Hello, everyone. A competitive analysis can help you learn the in and out of your competitions and identify potential opportunities where you can outperform them. Additionally, it also enables you to stay ahead of the curve and ensure your product is consistently meeting and assisting the industry standard. Determine who your true competition are is typically the first step and set the context for your subsequent competitive analysis. Today, we are going to deep dive into this topic together with Prasad from Ipsos. Prasad has more than two decades of experience in helping businesses to understand the market landscape and their competitions in Southeast Asia. Hi, Prasad. Welcome to Lazada Insider Platform again. Thank you, Chanzan. Uh, it's my pleasure. So let's just jump straight to today's topic. From your experience, uh, could you tell us how important is it to run an in-depth competitive analysis and what are some of the common pitfalls and challenges when running it? Okay, maybe uh, first of all, I'll take a step back and just talk about how brands need to evaluate uh, their whole performance in a competitive context. Uh, and the reason I mention it is uh, we service clients across multiple categories, industries, geographies, and it's so often we still see clients who just look at them in isolation. How am I doing? Are my KPIs going up compared to last year? Oh, last year, 40% people of my market liked me. Is this year the score going 50% and so on? And you totally ignore the competition. I think the first thing it's, which is key for the audience to understand is when you look at your brands, always see how do you perform in the context of competition. Uh, uh, it's all about your relative position. It's all about do your consumers see you as a, value, uh, a valuable option compared to what's out there in the market. And uh, I believe that would be a good way to start. Yeah. Sure. So from your point of view, what are some of the essential steps in running a thorough competitive analysis? And how can businesses factor in their target consumers' decisions-making journey into this process? Yeah, uh, quite often when we think of competition, we have our own, by we, I mean, from the brand point of view, uh, the business point of view, we have our own idea of who our competition is. If you're a Tiger Beer, you think your competition is Heineken and Stella and Carlsberg and that's it. But consumers don't think of it like that, especially with platforms like Lazada in the play and all that. And when you can search at a click of a button, your competition is not limited to that particular store, which you might go to that particular aisle or what's available at that point in time. It's anything that can be available at the click of a button across multiple geographies. That's uh, one. Uh, and secondly, the competition also, we have to look at it primarily from the point of what need is it meeting. Now during COVID, a lot of people are working from home. There's this whole ethos of trying to get fitter as you go along and people are looking for fitness equipment. Now, if you are an indoor rowing bicycle, you might think other indoor rowing bicycles are your competition, but your competition could be a treadmill, could be a in-home rowing machine, could be a bicycle to go out, could be anything. Uh, so. I think it's key to look at what need it is that you're trying to satisfy and keep an open mind in terms of competition can come across multiple product categories. 
And the framework, I believe, to uh, go about looking at that is to see from the consumer point of view uh, how they go about doing this uh, decision-making process. And uh, we believe, I mean, of course, we can make it as simple or complicated as we want, but we believe essentially it comes down to two steps. What we call in a shorthand uh, shortlist or, and then uh, choose, or uh, basically consider and then choose. Take any product category. If you want to buy coffee beans, you might have a couple of brands in mind. And then between that, you see which one uh, you're uh, more inclined to buy, or if you go to the store or you go online and see the price and availability and things like that. So I think it's understanding these two steps about consider, then choose is quite important to, uh, to help uh, see how consumers are making decisions when it comes to choosing your brand. Sure, I think that is interesting and I wanted to deep dive a bit more. So uh, it would be good if you can elaborate and maybe give us some example on how digital commerce business could bring this to life. Well, uh, digital commerce is a game changer. I mean, uh, that's uh, cliche to say it, but that's quite true. Uh, for the simple fact that you go online how brands are sorted or displayed makes a big impact on what you choose. Uh, just like a Google search result, you'd never go to page number two or three. When you do a search for something, what you see on page one is typically what you'll uh, click on. Likewise, when you search for anything on a, a platform like Lazada and so on, A, what appears makes a difference. You have the option to sort by popularity or sort by customer review. That can change which brands get into the shortlist. So the whole point about consider can be heavily influenced by a digital platform such as Lazada in terms of what options are displayed. And it gives a lot more reassurance to consumers when they see things sorted by either popularity or uh, average customer view. You have that peace of mind if you are less familiar with the product and the category that, hey, this is a safe choice. The money I spent is my money going to be well spent. So that's the first step. Uh, digital platforms can help narrow the consideration set. And then between that, people may choose, and it's a cliche to think that people just choose on price, but if that's the case, uh, premium brands and luxury goods would not have a market, but they do. So it's uh, it's the value you're getting for the amount you paid. Does that make sense to you? And uh, then that's the second stage where people evaluate, and that's a complex process altogether on how people evaluate. Uh, so yeah, so I was just uh, briefly talking about uh, a couple of examples in the earlier uh, question I was talking about exercise equipment. So when you search, are you searching for bicycles or are you just searching for indoor exercise equipment? The options you get will differ a lot depending on how you are looking at this whole context. Now, if I am a indoor stationary bike brand and I know most of the consumers are coming to a digital platform such as Lazada in terms of indoor exercise equipment, then I know my competition is treadmills, my competitions, rowing machines could be anything, you know, could be kettlebells to use at home, could be a lot of uh, stuff. Then you know how to frame your uh, value proposition when you're talking about it, either on the site or through communication, you know what to, how to position your brand in the relevant context. Yeah. Sure. I think you highlighted a very important point. So I think nowadays, digital commerce business already, I mean, the role of the digital commerce business already go beyond just transactions. Like what you have mentioned earlier on, I think it is also important. I mean, during the consideration, during the pre-purchase stage as well. Mm -hmm. Cool. 
And we know that identifying your true competitions, I mean, set the cornerstone for the subsequent competitive analysis. Uh, what other information do we need to run a successful competitive analysis from your point of view? Okay. A uh, lot of time, uh, I believe, most uh, brands, uh, most marketing teams spend a lot of money trying to own some finely tuned positioning, which may or may not be that relevant. And if I give an example, there are at least, I'm sorry to talk about alcohol, but it's a category close to me. There are 80 brands in, uh, beer brands in Singapore. Uh, maybe a typical consumer, if you show them logos, might have might remember seeing 30 to 40 different brands in their lifetime. Do you honestly think that they can remember what each brand stands for? Unlikely. Uh, you can take any particular category. All brands, are, it's crowded. If you look at a moisturizer or face cream, which you're uh, buying, huge options, each with some slightly nuanced uh, positioning and so on. I think the key thing uh, consumers should focus on us, A, is the reason to be in that category. So uh, there are certain hygiene factors which you need to move. Moisturizer keeps the skin fresh, young, whatnot. That's one. Secondly, it's I don't like to use this word salience. It's a very jargony word. But basically what it means is how strongly does the brand come to mind? Uh, that actually is quite key. So if the more associations you have with the brand, oh, I've seen this brand on this ad and that ad, and my friends talked about it and so on, the more stronger it's uh, entrenched in your mind. It's, uh, in From behavioral science point of view, we call it to vast uh, mental network. So the more associations you have, the more likely the brand is to make it to that first step, which is the consideration step. Once that's done, then the second step is evaluation. So how brands can differentiate, how you can own a particular uh, position or win in the marketplace is primarily by being more familiar. And how you be familiar is, in my opinion, less important. Uh, uh, I don't think you need to say uh, we have SPF 30 plus this, plus this, plus that. It's basically saying we, we can do a couple of things, but just keep hammering it in day in, day out, uh, make it a lot more salient. The key thing I want to talk about here when it comes to uh, evaluating your brands in a competitive context is this whole concept of ranking. Now, uh, Chandan, with your background, you probably are familiar with this whole aspect. Uh, how a brand ranks in a choice set has a vast more uh, impact on actual sale. What do we mean by that? You know, it's quite common to think that, oh, right now, if you ask consumers to prefer brands in a context, I'm not a big brand and maybe I'm number four out of the 10 brands. Maybe next quarter I move from number four to number five. You might think, ah, oh, no big deal, slight uh, degrees. But what we have seen uh, empirically is uh, when brands move just one notch, number four to number five, or move up number five to number four, the gains are disproportionate. So ranking does matter. And I think uh, one key thing when you are judging was yourself as a competition is to also see overall in you could use many metrics in their preference, in their familiarity, in their uh, spontaneous recall. Where do you stand in, in the ranking? The higher you move up over time, the more disproportionate gains you are likely to see. And which is why if you see a market leader, they typically have at least maybe twice the share of the second brand, which has twice the share of the third brand. And that's what I mean by ranking matters. And, and that's key to anything. 
Sure, I think that is very interesting. So when we talk about, for example, you start with considerations, you're building the salience and the familiarity of it. And so I think at the end of the day, one of the brands or the businesses are trying to do is trying to differentiate themselves. Right. I mean, uh, mm -hmm. in the competitions context. So do you have other advices? I mean, to, to the businesses, how to create a successful brand differentiation strategy? Yes, uh, I'll. I'll uh, touch upon the key point which I was talking about earlier, which is the framework. It's good to put things in a framework. So coming back to the framework of consider and then evaluate, the key thing to understand uh, or develop a successful strategy to own a particular market is in that particular target market, get a consumer point of view, uh, either through surveys or your own in-house uh, market visits and so on, and see how are they talking about a brand. Nowadays, you can even go online and uh, there are a lot of data mining tools uh, which can look at all the social uh, media chatter out there and see how they're talking about your brands in that context. We can even uh, analyze uh, reviews on uh, digital platforms to see when they say brand A, what comes to mind, brand B, what comes to mind and so on. So it's quite key to understand uh, in that context, how are they looking at you? Uh, who do they see as a competition? And that uh, helps a brand at two levels. A, it will tell you who's a current competition and who's a future competition. What do I mean by that? If uh, we do a study on uh, any snacking products, if you're into healthy baked nuts and so on, you might look at a current competition which are other baked nut brands. But if you see other options being yogurt and uh, fruit juices and stuff like that, doesn't mean you have to go in that category, but it just means that when you talk about a brand, you position your benefits in those contexts and not just benchmark it to the short-term category. So I think it's key for brands and clients to uh, do some market assessment to see how do consumers talk about us. And A, that does differ. How consumers talk will differ not just by geography, how they talk about you in Singapore will differ by Malaysia, will differ by how they talk about you by age bands. And I'll give a very different example. So the, I can't name a brand, but we, we are doing some work for a major uh, beer, global beer brand. And uh, in Singapore and Malaysia, they noticed that the sales aren't that good among the young, late teenagers, uh, 20 plus group. It's changing a lot. And when we look at how consumers talk about it, at least in that particular age group, uh, the early 20s and so on, what was what need was beer fulfilling? They have not had experience with the category for long, like uh, those 40 plus. Uh, so it's um, a different uh, uh, mindset. They were looking at beer as a place to hang out with your buddies or your kakis, as you call them in this local uh, context, uh, hang out with them, bond over them. And it was a means towards bonding. And the same thing they could also get by meeting at a Starbucks. So people are not thinking, should I have a Stella or a Hogarden or a Heineken or a Carlsberg or a Tiger? Do we go to the bar on the road or do we go to Borki Klaki or do we go to the nearest uh, Starbucks and where we stand? The client did not see that. Once you understand what's the need you're meeting and what's your competition, then the implications are huge in terms of how you talk about your brand. You show more fun time with friends, uh, with your product categories. So you would entrance that more. So hopefully that leads to more of your brand coming uppermost in your mind when you uh, think of that occasion of hanging out with friends, for example. 
Cool. And last but not least, do you have any other thoughts or advice or insights to share with our audiences? Yes. Uh, it may sound like a spiel coming from a market researcher, but uh, the world, uh, especially in terms, uh, terms of AI and machine learning, it's a cliche. Everyone talks about it. Everyone talks about big data. It's just words people throw about and not knowing what it means. But that has evolved a lot and has evolved rapidly throughout the years. Uh, and it's getting a lot more sophisticated. So if you want to do a market understanding, you don't have to do time consuming lengthy market surveys in multiple markets. You could even with powerful uh, AI based social listening tools, look at the data, they're really getting good. So for in the past, I remember when if someone talked about a product and they said, it's not good, it's great. The software will say it's not good, one negative, it's great, one positive. But uh, it's a very simple example. But my point is now that software and the analytics are getting a lot more po powerful that they can uh, think things in context. Uh, they can uh, when uh, in uh, you can understand multiple languages and the translation is getting really good. Uh, uh, for those of you used to make fun of Google Translate when you put in one language and put out other words and how it used to just uh, jumble out some words which don't coherently mean anything. That's changed a lot over the last few years. So mm -hmm. I think. Uh, one last point I'd like to tell marketers is the world's evolved, especially in the last five to 10 years. There are a lot more powerful tools out there which can help you understand this two-step mm -hmm. consumer process of consider then evaluate a lot better from your office seat or your working from home seat. And that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thanks, Prasad, for sharing with us your insights. Thank you, Chandan. That was short and sweet. This is Azana Insider. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you click follow and subscribe so you don't miss our latest insights and expert interviews. Thanks again for joining us. Until next time, take care. La, da, da.